Well, I greet you on this uh, Father's Day 2015, and it's an important day. Uh, I thought we had a great Mother's Day. I'm, I'm so glad that we honor mothers and fathers. You know, I've, I've often said that I think that uh, teachers and parents ought to get paid more than any other profession. You know, I, I just think that, uh, well, you know, parents uh, shape lives. You know, God gives us a gift and, um, you know, we don't take it lightly, you know, uh, we, we help to shape that life, and so it, it's an important task, and so I just, I thank the Lord. You know, I was listening to all the testimonies up here, and I was listening also to Chloe's testimony, and what a great testimony that is, and, um, you know, one of, uh, you know, guys, how we do, we relate a lot of things to movies, you know, it's just, I don't know what that's all about, but we just like movies, but... One of my favorite movies, it's, it's interesting, two, my two favorite movies now are Guys and Dolls, you would, you know, and, uh, and Taken, if you've ever heard of this movie called Taken, right? I know some people are going, yeah, you know, and uh, well, the thing, the thing about Taken, if, if you don't, uh, most of you probably have at least heard about it, maybe not all of you have seen it, but it's a movie about a father and his daughter, she goes to Europe and uh, she's just supposed to be going for a trip to Paris, I think, with her friend. But, of course, she lies to her dad. She's following this rock band, U2, around Europe. And uh, so he finds out about it, you know. And uh, so he gives her a phone and says, call me, you know, when you get there and all this kind of thing. Well, anyway, when she gets there, she gets taken. And it's into, by the, you know, I guess the Albanians. And, they, you know, she, she's going into the sex trade type of thing. And, of course, you know, it's a movie. So he used to work for the CIA, you know, of course. And he has all these resources out of nowhere. And uh, he goes and he just tears up Europe. I mean, he really does. He just tears Paris down until he finds anybody in his way. I mean, he shoots them, electrocutes them, does anything possible until he gets to his daughter, right? I mean, the corruption in the government, he brings that down, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. I'm using all my CIA resources. And at the end of the movie, he gets to his daughter and then, and then the, uh, this high-level sheik or, you know, very uh, important uh, rich ruler uh, has his daughter. He's, he's killed her. There's nobody else left alive, you know, except for this guy and his daughter. And uh, he, he has, you know, his daughter there, and he's kind of hiding behind her, and I think he's got a knife or something. And, and he starts talking. I don't know why bad guys do this in the movie, Mom. They start talking. You know, if you're going to kill somebody, just kill them. Don't. But he's, he's talking, I'm a, and he doesn't even, he just shoots him in the head, you know. And finally he gets his daughter back. Well, I know that's a movie and it's funny, you know, but to an extent, as a father, Barry, you understand this, not that I could, you know, go around killing people and tear down, you know, America, but I tell you what, if my daughter was taken, I certainly would feel that way. I mean, I would stop at nothing to get her back. And you're talking about bopping the boy who, you know, right? I mean, that's the way you feel as a father. You feel it about uh, your boys. You feel it about your daughters, especially as a father. But, uh, you know, that movie just relates to us as dads. You know, that's the way we feel, uh, folks, as dads. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll tear down some stuff, you know, to get our, to get our daughter back. And uh, listen, your father God is that way. Your father God fought through so much to get here to earth, <laughs> wrapped himself in dirty, nasty, filthy flesh, right? The creator submitted himself to his own creation 
to be killed, and not just to be killed, but to die a bloody, terrible death just to buy you and I back, right? You talk about taken. I mean, he went through everything to get us back. That's your father God. I was thinking about reading about uh, God as a father, and I looked through the Old Testament, and I found something to me that was a little surprising. God, from my research and what I found, is only referred to as father 15 times in the Old Testament. It's 15 times he's referred to as father. And I thought that was a little surprising. But the more I did research and the more I looked at it, I could kind of see where that came from. You know, God, the God of the Old Testament, is the same God of the New Testament, but how he revealed himself you know, think about it. He was more of, he was a lawgiver. He gave the law, right? I mean, it was kind of like, don't touch the mountain or you will die, right? I mean, when they, remember when the, when, when the Israelites retrieved the tabernacle or the ark of the covenant back from the Philistines, right? And they were carrying it back and the, that ark was falling off of that cart that they had put it on. Because they weren't carrying it the way the Lord told them to. The Levites were supposed to do that. That's another lesson. But it started to fall off. And the young man thought he was doing the right thing and went to reach for it. Well, God killed him. Right? And so that's how we think of God. He was a lawgiver. He was stern. He was, he was to be revered. Right? I mean, this is, we're talking about the almighty God. Right? We're talking about the creator, not only of heaven and earth, and not only of you, but we're talking about the creator of your enemy. The creator of all things. By him were all things created. By him and through him and for him were all things created. This is the almighty God. One who breathed and stars came out, give you, gave you the breath of life. Come on. All right? God is so big. We've said it before that he's not in the universe. The universe is in him. We're talking about the almighty God. And then I began to look, and I looked at the New Testament. After he wrapped himself in flesh, second person of the Godhead, another mystery to us, right? The Trinity, is it not Trinity? Jesus, how can he be three? How can he be one? And I really don't have that answer for you. All I can tell you is the secret things belong to the Lord, according to Deuteronomy. And I'm sure he'll explain it all to us, but I know that he is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And he is also one God. The Lord our God is one. Now, how he does it, I don't know. But that's what he does. And that's who he is. You want to argue about it, you can argue about it. But you're going to have to deal with it, because that's who God is. So he wrapped himself in flesh came down, and when you look at Jesus, how he referred to the Father, he used an interesting word. He used a word that was in Old Aramaic. It was translated as Abba. Okay? Abba. We know that word. And then in Greek, it was a different word, but uh, loosely translated, it means dad. There are some theologians and scholars who have gone as far as to say that that word uh, really means daddy, you know, a very, a very loose daddy. And after I researched, I wouldn't quite go that far, but it does. It's much more casual than the father of the Old Testament. It's, it really was a word that was used uh, by natural children and how they address their father in the home. Dad, hey, dad, dad, can I go over Larry's house? Dad, can you, can you give me some money? Dad, right? This is, these are the things that dad's here. That's why that's recalling to me. Uh, but 
Yeah, and that's, so that's what Jesus used. Now, Jesus used that term 165 times in the Gospels alone. 165 times he used the word Abba. And so we can see a transition here. And really it's just the way God was revealing himself from Father God, the lawgiver, the one to be revered, to Abba, Father, the one who supplies all of your needs, the one who gives you an agape love, the one who is your healer, the one who long suffers, I call it. He has long suffering and perseverance for you and I. Because, come on, if we were to be honest with ourselves, we would realize that we have not been the best children. And, by the way, this term, Abba, Father, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but we must tell the truth here this morning about Scripture. This term, Abba, Father, when Jesus used it, it was not a term that was given to all of humanity. Now, some of you may say, well, that doesn't sound right, you know, because we call each other children of God, even people who are unsaved you know, use that term, we're all children of God. Not true. It's not true according to Scripture. This term, Abba, Father, was given to those who have given their life to the Lord. And He is truly your Father. You haven't given your life to the Lord. He is your Creator. He made you. He breathed the breath of life in you. But you must have given your life to the Lord to be able to call Him Abba, Father. Abba Father. And there is the transition from Old Testament to New. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent. Now we have access into him. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb, Abba Father. When I think about fathers, there's three aspects of fatherhood that we know today. First of all, we know God the Father. God is the ultimate Father for us, right? God is the ultimate, not only example of a Father, but He's the first Father. He's the foundation for all fatherhood. God is our Father. Second aspects of fathers are spiritual fathers. You know, Paul had Timothy and young Mark, who he had some problems with. Barnabas really had Paul to be honest with you. And so there are spiritual fathers that the Lord will put in our life. And then, of course, we have natural fathers. I'm going to focus this morning uh, on God as our Father. We need to talk a lot about spiritual fathers, really. We really do. I think that's a term that's not talked about enough. And we really need to talk about natural fathers because the who we become uh, in life really is, is predicated a lot on who our Father is. There may be some of you here today who have gone through some things with your natural father. You know, maybe you have a good relationship with your natural father, like some of the testimonies that you heard this morning. Maybe you have an estranged relationship with your natural father. Maybe you have a relationship like I had. I loved my dad, uh, but he was just not around very much. So though I loved him, I really didn't have a chance to love him like I wanted to. Maybe you have a relationship with your father that you remember as abusive, as distant, as a disciplinarian. Maybe he was too much of a pushover. I don't know. 
But your natural relationship with your natural father or lack thereof sometimes can shape how we look at God as our father. That can shape how we look at God as our father. Well, Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins, but he also came to help us view God in the right light as our father. Galatians 4, 6 says this. It says, And because you are sons, Paul said, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out what? Abba, Father, Dad, you are my father, my DNA. I have your genes. <laughs> Come on. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creature, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A new thing was created in there. Something was awakened when you gave your life to the Lord. And God breathed again the breath of life into the spirit man. You are created as a son, as a daughter of God. And you received his DNA. His DNA. Now again, nowhere does Jesus teach that humanity calls God Father just to be calling him Father. Those who are not born again. Those who don't have a relationship with him. We must make that choice to have a relationship. Now, your natural father, you don't have much choice. Actually, you don't have any choice, do you? You're just here. And you have a father. Whether that's a good relationship or not, well, that's up to your father and you. Spiritual fathers, we have somewhat of a choice, but not really. God places those in our life. And it's up to us. The choice we have is to accept that and cultivate that relationship or not. Whether you're the father or the son or the daughter. God the Father, we have a choice. We have a choice whether we accept him as our father or not. Paul understood that and made that choice. And he began to see God as a healer, as a deliverer. Come on. As a comforter. And he began to say, my God, what a good God you are. He began to see that in his presence there was everything that you would ever want and ever need. I believe that Paul not only got a glimpse of the future, but he was able to look into the past and see what Adam and Eve had in the garden. When God was there and his spirit moved throughout the garden and they wanted for nothing. They simply had to care for what God had given them. But everything they ever needed was right there for them. Paul began to see God as that father. My question for you today is, do you see God that way today? Or do you see him as that Old Testament distant lawgiver who is waiting for you to do something wrong so that you can be chastised to put you under his thumb? Do you see God that way? Or do you see him as... The long-suffering, caring God who we serve by faith and has given us all things to enjoy. Do you see him as the God of abundance who owns a cattle on a thousand hills? 
Do you see him as the God of overflow? Do you see him as the God who waits by the roadside for you to make your decision and come home? Because he just can't wait to put the robe around you and to put the ring on your finger and kill the fatted calf and celebrate you. Do you see him as that God? Paul did. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, he said, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And I understand and I see God in a different light. I, see, I don't see him as the, 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 uh, the, the father who's got me under his thumb. But I see him as Abba Father. And for this reason, I bow my knee to him. And I come into his presence. Except for this reason, I fall on my knees before the father. For whom every family in heaven and earth receives its name. Psalm 68, 5 says that he's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. That's who he is. Now, after all of that, what could possibly hinder our experience with God the Father? What could get in our way? God has been so good to us after he died on the cross for our sins, after he provided everything that we would ever need. What could get in our way of not only understanding who he is, but to serve him and to receive from him? What hindrances do we have that hinder our relationship with God the Father? Well, there are five of them that I want to bring forth today, and I want to see, and I want you to see if you fit in any of these, because I believe God is here today to remove a stronghold. He's here to break a yoke in your life, and it's got a lot to do with your relationship with him. Yes, he wants to heal your relationship if it needs it with you and your earthly father. He wants to bring spiritual fathers in your life, but he definitely wants to heal the relationship between you and him. He wants to strengthen it this morning so that you will see him as Abba, Father. The first hindrance is, as I said, our experience with our earthly father. Could be good or bad. Your father could have been a dictator, an abuser, a boot camp sergeant. Or he could have been loving and wonderful. He could have been your strength for living. You could be a person that chooses your mate, if you're a daughter, based on your natural father relationship. You could be a person that lives your life and shapes and forms your values, if you're a son, based on your earthly father relationship. But you're a person that, if your relationship was not a good one with your earthly father, in the back of your mind somewhere, you're thinking, well, that's the same way God is because he's the father as well. I remember reading, it was either Martin Luther or John Wesley that said he had such a hard time praying and calling God father. Can you believe that? The man of God. And it was simply because his earthly father was such a bad one that he had trouble seeing God as a good father. 
So fathers, know how important your role is in your home and to your children, no matter what their age. And children, understand that no matter what your relationship is with your father, yes, it's supposed to be a godly one. It's supposed to be a good one. It's supposed to be modeled and shaped after our relationship with God the Father. But if it's not, you have a father who is a perfect father. The second hindrance could be our experience with our parents, period. Not just your father. could be your parents, your mother and your father. Some of you may have have parents who are disciplinarians. They disciplined you a lot. Some of you could have had parents who never disciplined you. They just loved you. And they never showed you any discipline. Some of you had parents who maybe were disciplinarians, but they weren't around a lot. Some of you may have had parents who loved you and they were there all the time and you kind of wish they would go away sometimes. (laughs) And we could go on and on. Your experience with your parents. This is an experience that can hinder your relationship with God the Father. As a parent, you must understand that though your child will make their own choice, that is true, But some of us as parents don't understand how heavy a weight our influence is on our children. And some of us who are growing up, who have grown up, do not understand that really the the relationship we had with our parents really shaped who we are today. Whether it be the same or the opposite. Because some of us grow up and you can look at someone and say, boy, she is just like her mother. Some of us grow up and say, I'm never going to do that because that, they always did that. I'm going to be the total opposite. But all of this shapes our relationship with God the Father and how we treat Him. Another hindrance could be our experience with people, period. You know, sometimes we have people in our life, we love and respect them, but maybe we have bad experiences. Maybe we're disappointed. Maybe we get bruised or hurt. And it causes us to lock out people from our emotions. And it causes us to mistrust them. I met a young couple some time ago that uh, had got, had done some things and they were dis or excommunicated from their church and from their religion. And when I began to talk to them, They didn't want to talk about God at all. And I said, well, was it God that did something wrong to you? And they said, well, we don't know. All we know is we were excommunicated, and so that's how we see God. Because people excommunicated them. What a bad rap God gets sometimes. (laughs) Because people do things. And then we blame it on God. That's how I see God. But the truth of the matter is, our experience with people can sometimes hinder our relationship with the Almighty Father. Our experience with painful life experiences, period. What about disappointment in our life? We could see things as unfair, as hard. We could see life itself as unloving. Nothing ever seems to go right for me. 
Come on, somebody, some people say that. Seems like nothing goes right. And if God was in this thing, then why does all this happen? Christians have asked this. Gideon asked it. God came to him. An angel came to him and said, Gideon, I'm going to deliver your people. And he said, God, if you are with us, why are we in this situation in the first place? Well, he answered him. He said, because. Because of the sins. I didn't put you in the situation. You put yourself in the situation. But we blame God. And then just our experience with rejection. Kind of drilling it down here. Our experience with rejection, period. Did you know that Jesus himself was rejected? But we cry and whine a lot. (laughs) Come on, when we get rejected. Oh, I was hurt and I was offended. I'm leaving that church. I'm just never talking to that person again. I won't say hi to them. I won't call them. I know they're a family member, but she's going to treat me like that. That's my sister. I'm just not going to call her anymore. My mom wants to act like that, then she could go on about her life. And then we treat God that way. But Jesus was rejected. Jesus himself. 1 Peter 2, 4, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God as precious. Though he was rejected, God chose him. What about Isaiah 53? You remember. said he is despised and rejected by men. It was prophesied that he would be rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. says as we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. We esteemed him not. What is rejection? Rejection is refusing to accept someone or something and casting them aside. I reject you. Rejection causes us to feel devalued, causes us to feel worthless and abandoned. I want to tell you something this morning. God will never reject you. He has not and he will not ever reject you. Rejection comes from a Greek word that means away from, away from me. What does it do? Rejection causes zero acceptance. It promotes performance acceptance. See, some of us have been rejected by our earthly father so much that we try to find out what is it that he's looking for. And then all of a sudden we just try to become that. I'll I'll perform. Is it that I need to get A's in school? Is it that I need to be involved in sports? What is it that I need to do? And then we begin to perform for him. And then we feel like we're accepted, but we're, we're really not accepted. What's accepted is that thing we've become. So you still are not accepted. Only your performance is accepted. And this is the way we treat God. We feel like we have to perform for him. I have to do so many ministry things. I have to go help out at the jail and then God will love me. 
Now I'm accepted in the eyes of God. I've got to be faithful and come to church every week. I've got to be involved in this ministry. I've got to give this amount. I've got to do this or do that. Then God will accept me. Well, I have a message for you from the Lord this morning. You are already accepted. He has already accepted you and he proved it with the cross. Not only did he say, I accept you, but he proved it by spilling every ounce of blood in his body for you and for me because that's what it took to buy you back. You were taken and he came and got you. He bought you with his life. Come on. He bought you with his life. Isaiah 43, 18 says, Do not remember the former things. Had a bad relationship with your father? Father wasn't around? Parents didn't treat you right? Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, because God is saying to you, I will do a new thing in your life as your father, as Abba Father. He will not reject you. You see, rejection causes us to be addicted to the approval of others. Do you say things like this to yourself? Even in your thought life, do you ever say, I'm always the one at fault? Seems like it's always me. I'm not acceptable in the eyes of others. I need to do something different with my appearance. I need to lose weight. I need to grow hair. So want to be accepted. I, I know what I feel isn't important. People don't accept that. I know there is nothing likable about me. Maybe I'm not physically attractive. I don't have the best vocabulary. Whatever it is. I don't deserve to be loved. I don't feel anyone could really love me. I will never be good enough for anyone. I will try and earn your love knowing that I can't. Have you ever said some of these things? I will never be able to please those I love. And how about I want to be loved and just fit in? I just want to be loved. Well, we need to understand this morning that Father God is our healer. He's relational. He's personal. We were created out of a relationship with God. He's a personal God. He has what we call an unconditional love for you and for me. Relationship with the Father God is like no other relationship. God is not angry with you. He's not disappointed in you. There are things that you need to do. He'll show you out of his love. Father God forgives you now with unlimited forgiveness. You need to understand that this morning. Feeling guilt in your life? Father God is here this morning, Abba, Father, to tell you that I forgive you. I forgive you this morning, God is saying. What do you need to do? Number one, you need to accept God's forgiveness. You need to understand that God forgives and forgets. He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. And Father God is your source for all your needs. Therefore, you can come boldly to the throne. 
Jesus said in Matthew 7, What man is there among you if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, will your Abba, who is in heaven, give you good things if you simply ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, also do to them. That's what it is. For this is the law of the prophets. In James, he said, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? It comes from above. It comes from him. Did you know the root word for father in the Old Testament means source? Did you know that? Kind of makes you look at father a little different way, doesn't it? source. If he's your father, he is your source. He is your first resort, not your last resort. Your first resource, not your last resort. And this is what he'll bring to you. Here's what he'll bring to you. He'll bring to you dignity. He'll bring to you a level of respect. Sorry, brother. He'll bring to you dignity. It's a level of self-respect or importance as a person. That's what he'll do for you. He'll bring to you security. That's what Father does for us. Safety. Freedom from danger. Come on. Freedom from anxiety or confidence in someone's care. He'll bring to you an intimacy. God wants to know you and he wants to know you intimately. He'll bring to you provision. God is source, Father is source, and he provides everything that you need. He'll bring to you a freedom, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. He'll bring a purpose to your life. Why am I here? Ask the Lord. He has a purpose because he's your Father. And then he brings to you an unconditional love, unwavering acceptance, and love in spite of actions or inactions. I don't care how your earthly father treated you. God is here to tell you this morning that I am the perfect father. I am a perfect source for you. I am everything that you will ever need in life. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says this, Let us give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the merciful Father, the God from whom all help comes. Some have been through a trying time.